Welcome to the Princeton Alumni Weekly's Q&A podcast. I'm Brett Tomlinson, and this month our guest is Sean Gregory, class of 98, a senior writer at Time Magazine who focuses largely on the world of sports. He's had a pair of Time cover stories in the last few months, uh, one in October, written with Alex Altman about President Trump's uh, critique of NFL players and their national anthem protests, and another in September about the remarkable industry that's grown up around youth sports in the U.S. Um, This is our January edition of the podcast, but we're recording in December, and it seems like a good time to talk about the major sports headlines of 2017 uh, beyond the field of play. Uh, Sean, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. And, and full disclosure, Sean and I were briefly teammates in the Columbia Grad School Intramural right. Basketball League. Sean, right. Sean was our go-to uh, offensive threat, and I was uh, one of the guys who would come off the bench and, and launch uh, a couple terrible-looking uh, hook shots. <laughs> I think we fought hard, but I think we lost to the astronomy uh, department in the semis or something like that. So yeah. it's, it's a sad ending for the journalism school. Hey, well. we gave it the old... Uh, J school try yeah, so. Right. Uh, um, so the the dominant sports story of uh, recent months has been the NFL player protests and mm-hmm. uh, during the anthem uh, and the president's response and also the the public response uh, for Times Person of the Year issue. You recently wrote about Colin Kaepernick and and his sort of unusual role as as both the catalyst for this movement, who at the same time is now removed from it a bit since right. he has not been been signed by an NFL team. Um, I'm curious how you see Kaepernick and, and those who followed his lead. Are, are, are we entering sort of a new era of the the activist athlete? I think so, Brett. I, I think it started to change um, around really when you talk to folks about how this kind of has evolved around when Obama was elected, President Obama was elected in 2008. More players, particularly in the NBA, were more vocal about about their leanings, and a few campaigned for him or advocated for him at least. And then we had the Trayvon Martin incident um, in 2012, 2013, and um, the Miami Heat, led by LeBron James, took a took a picture. Um, they were all in in hoodies and and kind of tried to make a statement that you know what was happening wasn't fair they had a point of view and they expressed it you know and this was after years and years of you know the kind of the michael jordan model in the 90s that you know republicans buy sneakers too don't offend anybody even though he might not have said that quote but that was the general kind of philosophy so then you get into the election of obama you have these high profile incidents with an african-american president and um and then it just kind of snowballed with michael brown and ferguson and 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 into last to the summer 2016, and then when Kaepernick takes, he started by sitting, and then had some very pointed comments about police brutality and racism and oppression. His point of view, it just kind of it, it did kind of balloon, and he evolved it to the kneeling after talking to some veterans. He thought it was a sign of respect, but there were millions of people who thought he was just blatantly disrespecting the flag and, and first responders and the military. Um, and then it was, 
going to this year, he's not in the league anymore. And that, and that, there was activism about that protest uh, in NFL headquarters that, you know, people supporting him thinking he was being blackballed. Um, but there weren't, you know, the kneeling, there were a handful of or maybe a, nine or 10 players kneeling, uh, going into the weekend of week three in the NFL season, late September. And then once Donald Trump called them sons of bitches for, for doing what they did, um, it just, then it became activism against the president as well. And so then you had that weekend where there was kind of the mass demonstrations and it's kind of, it's gone in ebbs and flows. Um, it's kind of, it's gone a little bit to the background now as we sit here in, in mid December, still an issue, but you know, the owners have tried to squash it after seemed like they were backing the players. They kind of backtracked. It's been this crazy weird year in the NFL where the business is down and, and people are scrambling thinking oh is it because of protesting players is it because of the safety issue is it because there's too much football uh, all over the place so um there's just a lot of stuff swirling so you know, when you speak to folks like harry edwards a sociologist from from cal who has been helped organize the 68 olympic protest and has been you know studying this and helping organize this kind of thing for decades i mean he's very when you ask him that question, he, he is very clear in his thought that, yes, this is – we've never seen – we haven't seen activism like this since the late 60s and Colin Kaepernick is the Muhammad Ali of this generation. And the role that social media plays in all this, uh, mm. you know, you don't have to be an NFL quarterback. You can be a women's national team player. Right. You can be uh, – Basketball, hockey, baseball, on down the line, although baseball seems not to have had much of, uh, of this. And, right. And, and we're also seeing coaches get involved in a way that, right. you know, b- b- with Greg Popovich and, and Steve Kerr, in a way that it's hard to imagine a generation ago an NBA coach being so outspoken right. Uh, right. In, in the political realm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a product of the conversation being twenty four seven, right? We have constant access to points of view and conversation, and it's hard for people not to get wrapped up in it. And for thoughtful people like Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, and you know, Stan Van Gundy wrote on wrote for us an essay um, about calling the kneeling players patriots because they're trying to improve their country, and he. he he spat out all these stats about about um, prison reform. He's kind of studied the issues and, and took the time to kind of learn about what his you know what players, pro- professional players around the country are are protesting about. Um, so yeah, I I agree. Ten years ago, you know, twelve years ago, you know, the mid two thousands, it was a very it was still a very safe you know like for the Iraq War for example. Um, you know, I remember Steve Nash spoke out about it and it was a, it was like, Oh wow. You know what I mean? Like, and if that were to happen, if, if the Iraq war were to happen now, you can just imagine athletes would, would be, would, would be very free to give their opinion. And, and I think, you know, the president, when the president of the United States is, is calling out, um, athletes and making them, making them seem like, they should be just be grateful for you make a million dollars, you make millions of dollars, you're playing a game, stick to sports, right? And then, and that just raises, you know, that 
starts a fight. You know, it's a, it's a natural human reaction to say, Hey, wait a second. I have something to say. You can't bully, you can't, you can't bully us. And so it, it, it I think the, the react, the divisiveness coming from the top has really helped this snowball and, and it will continue. There's no, no reason to think that this new era of activism will stop anytime soon. And reaction to the anthem protest would would not seem to be a, a net positive for the NFL, but mm-hmm. it has perhaps overshadowed some other disturbing news, things on player right. safety. So this year we saw the release of another major uh, study of traumatic brain injury. Uh, more recently, the revelation that Aaron Hernandez, the, the former... Mm-hmm. Uh, Patriots player who was convicted of murder and who committed suicide in in prison had exceptionally uh, high levels of of CTE. Uh, what's what's next for the NFL as these very scary health concerns continue to to pile up? It's a huge problem. It's it it, it how is it affecting and and it'll be really interesting if if the league or some third party folks can really parse this out. Um, are people starting to feel guilty about watching the NFL? Is that contributing to some of the, you know, ratings declines that we've seen? Now let's be frank. I mean, the NFL still is a, is very popular, right? I mean, on the grand scheme of things, the other sports would kill for some of their, for some of their ratings and, and, and the audience that they draw and the Super Bowl audience and all that. Um, however, been following this for 10 years now and it it just is never stops it gets worse and worse another study another study more brains examined more cte um and it's a and 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 on the grassroots level we've seen the participation declines anecdotally and in data and so what's the player pool going to be 10 20 years from now um you know it's a it's a very intuitive thing um, and you know, when I interviewed Roger Goodell five years ago, even he said like, listen, and, and you know, he has to be very careful because of all the legal things, but he said something along the lines of it's pretty intuitive that, you know, banging heads all the time probably isn't the best thing for the brain. Right. So in that very, you can make all the, you, know, you can make every safety rule they've tried, they've tried with the safety rules, although we still see concussion protocols and, and what happened this su- Sunday, they were, Tom Savage was obviously the quarterback for the Texans, right? He was obviously concussed. And, um, and, you know, wasn't taken right out of the game. So there's, there's flaws in that. The rules, you can have every rule um, on the books about don't tackle head first, but there's happenstance passes across the middle of the field where heads will collide. Um, I get pitched and speak to companies that are trying to innovate in helmets, and, and, um, but that's, you know, every, every, credible company will say a helmet can't prevent concussions we our science has shown that the g-forces will be lowered when you when when you use our helmet but some of these helmets there's guys are still getting concussions in them so and, and we still have a lot to learn about repetitive hits um with practices being cut a little bit and not as much head contact in theory in practices on all levels you know, will we see these same this same level of CTE 20, 30 years down the road? But it's it's a very scary thing um, that's not going away. And the NFL, you know, if you look at the sports landscape, the NFL, is, if I'm buying stock, you know, the NBA I think is up right now. 
um, because they don't have these issues and they have these players that are, you know, phenomenally talented, visible, um, marketable. And, and, so, and then you have the LeBron, Curry, Durant cohort. And then below that, you have coming up, you know, the Greek freak, um, Porzingis in New York. And Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, you have three guys and, and other guys that you can put in that category that could change the game as well. So, I mean, they've got a plethora of marketable, exciting players without these this kind of baggage. Um, just looking at where the NFL is right now and where it's been and where it's going, um, I could see why there would be a lot of concerns. And they're, they're going to have to – it's going to be a challenge for them. And these challenges aren't going away, especially in the brain science stuff. I mean, the anthem protests, who knows what will happen there. If I'm predicting, I predict the president keeps going to keep agitating on athletes because he, as a political strategy, it, it might work because it rallies um, it rallies a lot of his base when he when he says, hey, guys, stick to sports. And, um, and so that might continue. But definitely the brain science is going to get more ominous. And, and so that's, that, that challenge isn't going anywhere for the NFL. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, scary stuff for sure. Yeah. And and you mentioned the certainly the pipeline issue. Uh, you know, parents thinking about which sports to put their kids into. Uh, you know, I mean, why do know. why why risk it? Right. I mean, there's plenty of other sports to play. Yeah. Um, and for athletic kids to participate in, um, you know, I think I think lacrosse even has kind of benefited a little bit from from. The football fears and they and that sport has an opportunity to go to places where maybe it hasn't been before um in in college sports the, the big headline was was really a sensational story for a couple of weeks it's kind of settled down but the the fbi's probe into college basketball recruiting yeah. which led to criminal charges and of course the the firing of uh, rick patino uh the biggest name uh who was caught up in that what Will this scandal and and the trials to come change anything, or is this just sort of a momentary blip in the the big business of uh, of college sports? Well, it might it might make people reckon and question why is this a federal crime? You know, um, why is um, a, a, a player that's been determined to be worth a hundred thousand dollars if he's given that money. Now, listen, there were there were the way things were gone about were, you know, trusting advisors because they were going to give you the best professional advice when they were really trying to funnel you to different places. You know, that, it wasn't these. There's no saints here, but I think they're the reaction and, and it's and it's the. It's it's evidence of the pay, the paying players debate has really changed in the last five years or so. Um, there's a lot of prominent voices. There have been lawsuits. Um, Time Magazine, Square Old Time Magazine, wrote a cover in 2013 saying why making the argument why why college players should be paid, which I think kind of you know I don't think we're I'm being too immodest by saying that helped advance it or at least gave people a talking point to either agree or disagree with it's it's become um not not gospel but there's more momentum and more questioning of why the coaches at these big time programs um and and the, we're building 25 million dollar locker rooms um but we can't give a kid a hundred thousand dollars so um 
it, I, I wonder if they react if it's less like these guys are they they are breaking the rules. I mean, right? The rules are on the book, and they did cheat. Um, and and the technical law stuff about wire fraud and all that, um, you know, that that all might be there. But uh, I, you know, I I just found it interesting that the two scandal scandals that broke that same week were the FBI thing and then Carolina, their academic fraud right. deal, they got off, right? I mean, they weren't punished um, by the NCAA because of some loopholes. Meanwhile, they were all taking fake classes. So what's the worst, what's the worst offense, right? Is it, is it giving a kid a hundred thousand dollars because that's what the school values for his services and giving it to him under the table because the rule says it has to be under the table, or being promised an, an academic, you know, given an academic scholarship without any opportunity for additional compensation, and then being offered phony classes, so not getting the education you were promised. So that's kind of how I personally react, you know, and, and kind of put that in kind of my own context, having covered and, and, and written about these issues in college sports for a long time. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, um, the tragedy of, 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 of what these guys were doing. And again, there's no saints here. Everyone's trying to, there's so much self-interest involved and, um, and you know, Rick Pitino bending the rules. He deserved, he deserved his punishment. Um, but I, I wonder if, if the fact that this is a scandal and it, and it is being discussed and there's tip lines and will it make will it give further momentum to the to the question of like what are we doing here it's the argument for legalization and of drugs and other things it's 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 it, why create an underground market um um when it doesn't have to be an underground market so you know but but and that said the the, the, the you know will there be more programs to be affected by that because at the end of the day programs did break the rules right so fans it's going to interest fans if the ncaa comes down on on louisville or arizona or whoever else so um but maybe the tip line you know the tip line that the prosecutor said was wide open um maybe people clam up and and it'll be this case going forward and maybe it'll peter out i wouldn't it wouldn't be shocking shocking um, if, if coaches just want to go about their business and, and, and not, not kind of jump in the fray. So it'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting mm -hmm. interesting for sure. And, 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 you know, college basketball with the one and done, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough sport being stock being up and down. And, and as much as we all love college basketball, it's, uh, it's kind of become a little bit of a one month situation um you know they're great teams great players like duke this year they've got a real they've got a lot of good players and when an upset happens like bc beating duke it's shocking and it's charming um you know is there going to be any change to the one and done rule can there be kids who can there be teams that people follow and get attached to um or is it going to be at the top levels the one-year nba training ground which isn't the best thing for fans, I don't think it's it's fun to watch them play, but it doesn't 
you know, you go back to like the Big East and, you know, you hate to say in the good old days, but those like the 80s Big East, which is everybody loves the thing that people loved about it. But they were they were teams that developed and rivalries developed over time. Um, now it's all about the coaches and A, are they breaking the rules and B, like what five star can they recruit? Can they get for a year? Um, so it, it becomes a little bit less attractive, I think, from a from a sports consumer Uh for but then once March starts, everybody gets into it. So <laughs> it's it's a one. It might be a one month sport, but gosh, it's a great month, you know. It's a, it is a great month. <laughs> um, looking looking ahead, uh, yeah, twenty eighteen, you'll be traveling to the Winter Olympics in South Korea. Yeah, uh, obviously, it's a great it, it's a great event, but it's also a, a time of, of real tension in yeah. on the Korean Peninsula. What? What are what are some of the storylines you'll be following as as you uh, ramp up? Yeah, for, for... I, I, I think once the Olympics begin, it's always about the athletes. I think that's the one thing I've learned doing this a while. It becomes what did Michaela Schifrin do during her slalom? I mean, what what did Sean White do today? What did Lindsey Vaughn? What did the big star names um, do in their events? They become stars for a very finite amount of time, but during that time, they become arguably the most famous athletes in America during this two-week window. So there's intense interest in, you know, sports like figure skating, you know, Nathan Chen. Um, the, the American strength this time around is on the is on the men's side, and he's a phenom, a young phenom, so he'll be a big name. Um, and so there's the, there's the athletes. And, the, you know, going in, yeah, there'll be plenty of stories and it's – be looking at you know what safety precautions folks are taking um i, I think it's going to be fine i i, I don't think there will be nuclear war while the olympics are going on you know I, I, i'm you know i think there, there was some chatter coming out of political circles last week early december about united states you know people shouldn't be going to, traveling to south korea the olympic team might not go and that was just miscommunication and political posturing i think I, there's no way the united states isn't sending a team um minus a, a, a severe escalation of what's going on on that peninsula and that part of the world so uh and, and you know the russians not being there is a huge story or some of them being there under the, the olympic flag competing as quote-unquote neutral i mean it's the ultimate <laughs> triangulation right i mean all right so the russians cheated we know the russians cheated and, but I understand a little bit what the IOC comes from, but maybe not all the Russians cheated. So we can't punish everybody, um, but we'll uh, – so the clean athletes will have to go through all these tests. But they can't compete on the Russian flags, but they will be identified as coming from Russia. Um, so it's – listen, the bottom line is in the medal count, the, the geopolitical uh, battles that go to the – sporting field um it's kind of it's a little bit of a you know the u.s russia rivalry especially when stuff is tense between the countries is a uh, always dramatic and so from a sports fan point of view you know it, it's it's a two-part thing two two-part uh problem a the, the russians cheated and used their home country in sochi their home lab to cook urine samples and and and, and escalate to the metal tables of the ultimate home cooking and then, so not only that, um, and now because of their bad acting, um, these uh, 
some of these, you know, Olympic rivalries, U.S.-Russia matchups are, you know, they, they cheated, so they're not going to be there, and that's fine. But from a sports fan, sports fan point of view, you kind of want to see that. So um, so that'll be a big story. And, um, and yeah, once the Olympics you – know, and, and, and then every Olympics, you just don't know what – you know, there will always be something that happens that you don't know about. The Orion Lochte situation or <laughs> – um, you know, or, you know, or a nice story like, you know, Gus Kenworthy, um, you know, and he's a, he, he's a freestyle skier who, assuming he makes a team, um, will be the first openly gay, um, man to compete in the winter Olympics. He, you know, came out after the Sochi Olympics, but during the, during the Sochi Olympics, he adopted a bunch of stray dogs, um, and that became a kind of feel good story. You know, Sochi had all these, all these dogs wandering around and, and he, he, um, he brought them from Russia back to the U S. So there's always these like, you know, these scandals and these like nice feel good stories that happen that you can't predict. Um, and that you just kind of go in, um, ready to scrap every plan that you have. And I'm, I'm just looking for the, uh, relaxing experience of watching curling. Well, as soon as you started to say that, I knew you were going to go to curling and you're (laughs) absolutely right. And I think, you know, we will, we're planning on doing a, a, uh, and it should be up hopefully by the time this podcast is out. If it's not look for it on time.com, um, a a video animation explaining how curling is scored and how you should watch it. So we are, we were, we are trying to serve the customers on, (laughs) um, their curling obsession. I believe CNBC I, I have to. I might be wrong about this, but NBC goes big on curling, and CNBC might be like all curling all the time. Maybe it's not CNBC. It's one of their networks is like just dedicated to curling. Will, will there be funny looking pants again? <laughs> yeah, I got to get on that. I got to start scoping that out. I want. I, I, I should get the scoop on like the Norwegian pants design. Um, uh, yeah, it's and it's a, it's actually it's a fun. It's actually not a hard sport to follow once you kind of, you know, it, it's, 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 I, I can see the appeal from a TV point of view. Um, you know, the sheet of ice is there. It's like darts, you know, if, once you figure out the scoring system, it's actually pretty intuitive and, and interesting. So, um, I, I hope to be spending some time on the sheet, Brett. I think they call it the sheet. I want to use on the sheet. Yes. With the rocks <laughs> and the, uh, in the, uh, the house is like the, the uh the dartboard looking thingy so bring it to the house we will be in the house for 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 the for the curling in in south korea (laughs) (laughs) i'll get you out of here on this one um you were a wilson school major at princeton yes uh a varsity basketball player now you're covering sports and the myriad uh real world issues that intersect with sports how did princeton prepare you for the work that you do you know, it's funny. Um, you mentioned the Woodrow, the Wilson School, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I found the Wilson School and um, and studied urban policy and urban planning and 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 then I joke when like the you know when I was at Time one of the early we started doing videos and one video I did was with the Nathan's hot dog. Um, what's that guy's name? Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. I name. And I went in and ate a hot dog with him, and I almost barfed on camera, and it was it was ridiculous. But and, and the joke was like, "Well, this is why I went to the Wilson School to eat hot dogs on camera and almost puke." Um, there's that end of it. It wasn't you know what I'm doing now isn't directly related to the urban 
uh, planning, urban policy stuff that I, I did study. However, covering sports now, and especially at time, you just have to have a sense of politics, economics, science, um, how things work. And the Wilson School is actually a great education because, you know, you don't major in one thing. Like, you, you don't, you don't, you take some economics classes, you take some politics classes, you can take science, you know, you can kind of experiment on different things and not be an expert at one thing, but have familiar, be familiar with a bunch of different, you know, areas. And, and that's what I do now. It's like, I get to study psych psychology in sports and economics in sports and health in sports. And, and just like at the Wilson school, you know, it was, there's public health, there's public policy, public economics, um, all the different, it was a good, it's a good blend of everything. And, you know, there wasn't a sports component at, at Woodrow Wilson, but I, I basically took a lot of what I learned there in the, in the, and, and um, interdisciplinary curiosity that it sparks and kind of applied to my job. So it was, it was, that was, that, that's really been helpful. And, you know, and, and basically with Princeton, you know, the connections I made, you know, it, it'll take 20 minutes to explain. I won't bore everybody, but like the, you know, playing basketball and being at the school, I just made a ton of fortuitous connections that, um, that just helped set me on my way or just opened up a door or sparked an interest. And so, um, anything I look back now and, and, you know, being a time for 15 years, I just know piecing it together it never would have happened. And I'm not just doing that because, you know, I'm not saying that because it's the alumni weekly podcast and I'm not shilling for the school at all. It's just, it's just, in my case, it's, it's just a fact that if, um, you know, if, if I wasn't there at the time and meet, didn't meet the people I met, um, I'd be married to somebody different. For example, um, I met my wife through through the school, and through the through, through the town, and, um, and and definitely got to where I am through through that. So very very lucky. Well, Sean, thanks so much for uh, taking some time to talk. I really appreciate it. Always fun talking, Brad. Anytime. Thanks a lot, man. You can read Sean Gregory's coverage of the Winter Olympics and other sports topics at time.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We'll be posting more interviews with Princetonians throughout the year. We also have an oral history podcast called Paw Tracks that features stories from alumni in their own words.